Is AI the ultimate cheat code when it comes to investing? Investing money is notoriously hard. Studies of trading have shown that few traders actually outpace the market, which is one reason why index funds that invest in a wide basket of companies tend to outperform the vast majority of mutual funds. But can AI make a difference? And if so, is there hope for the rest of us? To chat about it, we're meeting with Robert Nestor, who is the CEO of Craft Technologies. They're building an AI-enabled financial technology. Welcome to Tech First, Robert. Thanks, John. Thanks for having me. Hey, super pumped to have you. And yeah, as I was saying, as we were chatting earlier, anybody who's got some money invested in the stock market somewhere is pretty interested in this, right? I mean, how are decisions made about where your money is being allocated? Let's start here. What does Kraft do? So Kraft is at the intersection of technology and asset management. And specifically, we're using AI processes to augment and accentuate human intuition. That is what artificial intelligence is all about. And I think, John, that's largely missed on a lot of people. They think it's just about programming lines and let the robot go. It is, it is not exactly that. So we're at that intersection. We are, we were founded six years ago, uh, created largely Asia pack based originally, and now we're on the ground in the U S and it is our job and our vision to transform investment decision-making with artificial intelligence. And we'll talk more about what that means. So that's cool. Uh, there's still a role for humans. That's good on the one hand. On the other hand, everybody just wants like, where's my magic eight ball? Where's my cornucopia? Where do I like feed my seed thousand dollars in and boom, it goes to the moon, right? You know, nothing to be done there. Maybe talk a little bit about how it works, how the technology works and how the interplay works with people. Yeah. So I alluded to it a moment ago. I think what's often lost on people is what the intention is here. The intention very directly is to teach machines through artificial intelligence, sex leads, machine learning. Some of these labels we've all heard, machine learning, deep learning, and natural language processing. But the point is to teach machines the power of human intuition, but to deliver it at scale. So the, you know, the human mind is an amazing thing. Uh, incredible, thoughtful decision-making. And nothing can replace the intuition of a human mind. But the limitations of a human mind are largely two. One is that intuition cannot be applied easily at scale. And that is what artificial intelligence is fundamentally about. But it's also the human mind uh, and the human being Let's bias creep in at times, emotional bias and the likes. And the, the role of artificial intelligence is not to completely remove that intuition, but actually harness it and deliver it at scale uh, with techniques that have only recently been available. So the human being is never completely removed, but what we're doing is taking human intuition and scaling it. Well, it's good to know that there's a human in there. On the other hand, of course, intuition, hey, I'm going to buy the dip and it keeps dipping, right? So <laughs> that does come into it. Yeah. This comes out of 
obviously two kind of areas, right? Your, your name is craft. There's sort of quant investing, which has been popular and in demand for probably a decade now or something like that. And then this whole world of machine learning and masses of data and applying it. How does this differ from pure quant investing? Yeah, so uh, we get that question all the time, right? Quant's been a quant, quantitative investment around for decades. The fundamental difference in the application of artificial intelligence and investment decision-making and traditional quant is traditional quant still started with a hypothesis driven by a human. Uh, you know, in the simplest of terms, if stocks have these specific characteristics, they should outperform. And a thoughtful quant goes about either proving or disproving, often disproving, that hypothesis, but it still originates with the human being. What artificial intelligence does, it doesn't start with any hypothesis. It just looks to, to take in and analyze massive data sets at a scale, as you know, I said a few moments ago, unavailable until recently, and discern patterns and drivers of return without mm -hmm. the bias or this effectively the single track of the hypothesis that is starts in a traditional quantitative process. Now, I will say, and you know, a lot of quants will hear me and say, oh, wait a minute, we, we use artificial intelligence. They do use it in some respects, at least, you know, the more forward looking, they use, you know, natural language processing and other big data approaches but the general principle still starts with a human being and, and, and a hypothesis there. The artificial intelligence just starts without the bias and the potential bias of that and looks at big data to find drivers of return. That makes sense? That does make sense. Uh, it, it brings up lots of questions. Um, the, the good thing about a machine potentially is that it doesn't feel emotionally attached to investment that's losing money. <laughs> so that's a good thing. Uh, on the other hand, it's taught by data and that data comes out of human activity and therefore human bias could creep into that. Maybe let's ask this question. What data does the AI access? So it runs the gamut. But it's largely the it's largely financial data we are familiar with, but at a depth and level that uh, you know cannot be analyzed by a human being. But there's also things such things as sort of unstructured data, uh, less financial data that comes into play in AI investment process. So things like like web traffic and, you know, to a particular website and what that might infer in terms of product popularity and the likes, uh, you know, natural language processing and review of that. So there's a variety that it's largely driven in investment management by traditional investment data we are familiar with, but done so at a scale that, you know, is, is unmatched. It literally creates trillions of potential combinations and derived data, but also an unstructured data can, can play into that. So not that I'm familiar at the front end. This episode is sponsored by Dollar Smart, my creator coin. Buy some to support the show, get insider access, get smart rewards, get your name in my book, or just for the heck of it at rally.io slash SM. RT.
That brings up lots of questions, of course, because where the stock market moves is a function of so many different complex things, right? There's fundamentals of a company. There's fundamentals in an economy or a geography or whatever. There's manipulation. There's just people driving up prices or doing odd things. There's speculation, right? There's news and, and stuff happening as a result of that. And there's emotion. you know. And there's emotion. I wonder what your AI would do in the case of a GameStop or an AMC where there's almost zero rational <laughs> reason behind what the market is doing, but yet it's working in some sense. Yeah, well, uh, so it, it probably oversimplified I, on the financial aspects of it. It probably would not like it for reasons reasons that you said, right? But Artificial intelligence models are also looking at trading data and momentum and mm. other factors, which could cause the, the model to like it in a much more shorter term manner that to you know what you indicated wouldn't be really based on the traditional fundamentals and probably any derivation thereof, but it could still be based on momentum-driven factors, particularly trading momentum-driven factors. Sure. Yeah, so it is it is very much possible in that regard. But you're right. There is, there is a level of sort of clinician-ness, I guess, for lack of a better label. I don't know. Is that a word? Uh, to, to the process and to the analysis of the financial data. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm guessing, though, it would look at the number of shorts on a stock. It would look at yeah. all that all that data and that will yeah. feed into it. And I'm guessing, I mean... This is machine learning after all. I'm yeah. guessing it's getting smarter all the time. It's probably making predictions about what will happen with a stock, seeing if that prediction comes true. That reinforces certain things. If it doesn't come true, then there's an occasion for learning. Is that is that accurate to say? Yeah, that, that's absolutely accurate. So typically uh, the way things work within artificial intelligence uh, models within financial services. I say typical because, and we'll probably get to this later, it's not that widespread, widespread yet, but uh, the framework normally is that you, you have what is called a training window mm -hmm. whereby you are feeding, and that can go over several years, whereby you are feeding the model data and teaching it to interpret and link to you know, excess returns and, and better performance. And, and then you're, you're constantly, re, you know, retesting that to see if the model is learning with new data. That all happens in the training window and, and it's rigorous, I'm oversimplifying, but it's rigorously tested within that. And then you exit the training window and then it is making decisions going forward, always with data that, uh, is only available at the time. So it's very crucial as a, a rigorousness matter to avoid any look forward bias. So we're not, we're not ever asking it to make decisions with data that it had forward and then going backwards. So it's never making any decisions with any data that it could not have known at the time. So mm. in, simple, in simple terms, some data comes out uh, well after its effective date. So, you know, GDP data can be revised and revised and revised. It will not use that. We work very, very hard to cleanse data at the point of consideration by removing biases, removing timing issues, removing survivorship bias issues. 
in that so that the model is only looking at data that was available at the moment. Uh, Does it look at geopolitical data like um, Russia declares war or a special military operation on Ukraine? Yeah, uh, our model does not as of yet, uh, because those are those are squishier things that are hard to not not all data that goes into AI models is purely quantitative, as we talked about earlier. But there are things that there still needs to be research done in order to put it into a manner that a machine can contemplate and analyze. So there's still more work to be done in in that regard. That said, I'm sure it's seeing in real time what's going on with the stock market and adjusting as it goes because it sees all financial data, correct? Well, yeah, and I should have qualified. I'm glad you said that. It will see all of the financial data that some of which is the result of that, some of which isn't, but at the time, but it won't be it won't be trying to, you know, interpret what's, you know, Vladimir Putin's next move and <laughs> what that mean for the markets and stuff. Not yet anyway. Not yet. Anyway. Yes, yes. So blow blow our minds here. How much better is this than a human? Uh, what kind of uh, multiple on returns can we expect from this type of system? Yeah, so so I will answer your question but as a precursor. I want to be clear that alpha is remains very hard. Uh, and that doesn't change with artificial intelligence processes. But what we are doing is trying to bring the human intuition at great scale, cost and efficiency. And we believe, I believe fundamentally, that artificial intelligence will substantively improve that process. It will not be, it will not, if you let, sort of line it up against a, you know, fundamental manager, it will not beat them, you know, every time. But I, we believe fundamentally it will do so more often than not, just because of its speed and analysis and because of its efficiency, because of its scale mm -hmm. is, you know, we have, we have the, the track records here, John, are relatively short as a statistical matter, a statistician matter. We have we have what is considered out of sample back testing. So, you know, not survivor, not, not just back tested stuff, but out of sample testing, I should say, that goes in some cases back 10 years. Mm -hmm. Some statisticians would say that's not enough. You need 20 to 30 years to prove unequivocally the better. But our records are, are far better than the average in category in, in the majority of cases. And our ETFs, the relatively short track record, you know, three years, almost coming up on three years, have done, you know, quite well relative to their benchmarks, or I should say well relative to their benchmarks thus far. So, you know, it for us, it would be a, a really good achievement would be, you know, 100 basis points uh, after cost, you know, above the equivalent active manager in the space. And that's okay. our goal in this uh in this area. Gotcha. So not a finance geek, but a hundred basis points is 1%. Is that That's correct? Yes. Yes. Okay. Very good. Thought I knew that, but when I wanted to be sure about that. Okay. So 1% improvement after costs, yeah. it's not blow me down, knock me over. It's not 10% better. Is it going to yeah. get there? Uh, I don't, I don't think it'll ever get to 10%. John, the, the markets are still relatively efficient there. 
And I think that kind of outsized performance would probably only happen in very narrow asset classes where there's a tremendous amount of inefficiency today. Uh, mm. We are careful not to overpromise. We think it's the mm -hmm. better the better way to go. And in the long run, the market will come to realize that. But it's again, as I said, it's never going to be meant to replace the human being in, in the right. process. There's always right. going to be right. for that. So this is interesting, right? Because if anybody ever developed, uh, we're going to talk about your go-to-market, who you sell it to, who can use it and all that stuff. But if anybody ever developed the one that's 20% better or something like that, that's probably an insane number. You're in the space. I'm not in the space. So I don't really know what's a good number. What's an insane number. Uh, but I'm guessing that's insane in your, in your thinking. They yeah. would never sell it. <laughs> they would just push money into it and then run it. Every dollar they could and and do it them yeah do it themselves for their own worth. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm still a believer in that some people should have a substantial portion of their assets in in purely passive index investments. But mm -hmm. I also believe that there. I think you know, going forward, there's going to be a lot of tailwinds to the adoption of artificial intelligence uh, sure. in investment management. It's been very, it's been slow to be adopted, quite frankly, far slower than, you know, many of the other areas we're very familiar with, even if we don't understand the technology really, really well. I mean, obviously, it's fundamentally changed customer service, manufacturing, healthcare diagnostics, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And it's been slow to be adopted in, in mm -hmm. asset management. Mm -hmm. I it's just a matter of, of time. And I think there's a, a couple of tailwinds that we can talk about that I think is going to accelerate that. So how does somebody use it? Uh, can, can somebody come in on your website and sign up? Are you selling it to investment advisors? How's it work? Yeah. So a couple of different things. One is the, the most obvious way to get to, for an individual to, to participate would be to invest in one of our uh, exchange traded funds traded on the New York Stock Exchange, and there is four of them in that regard. Um, you are right to say that you know a, a big part of our focus uh, and our business will be working through others that have those links to individual investors uh, and institutions. Uh, ultimately, because you know, craft is small. It's it's very expensive to reach the entire end investor market. We're not a fidelity. We don't have a plan that will be, you know, we're on Fidelity's platform or ETFs. So we'll be a combination of uh, ETFs that, that investors can access. And we'll be increasing the number of those over the next couple of years. But also we're going to provide uh, and already do strategies to platforms, asset managers, like for their own use in their strategies or potentially co mm -hmm. opportunity with us. Mm-hmm. Question occurs, why do you need the human? Um, you've talked a couple of times about how you're pairing the scale and capacity of AI and machine learning and computers with the intuition of humans. Um, but theoretically, you have access to the entire history of a variety of stock exchanges, what's gone on, what's happened. You can feed the system uh, other types of data as well, historical data, market data, climate data, you name it. And the machine theoretically ought to be able to learn to navigate financial markets and decide which stocks might be valuable, more valuable in the future. Uh, why, why is a human still involved? 
Because, because for a couple of reasons, the, the primary reason is, is we're still sort of early days, possibly in the wrong run, what you say is true. I don't think we know yet, but these machines still need monitoring in terms of uh, new opportunities, new data sets that they could potentially utilize. And that requires some, some judgment on how well that's being incorporated and being used over time. And we think that part probably never stops in terms of the opportunity to learn uh, further. Mm -hmm. So that, that will, that I would be thinking at least for the foreseeable future, that is always going to be, be there. But also there's just this element of comfort and sort of oversight that we think is, is important and thoughtful. Um, here's all my money i'm throwing it at the machine do what you will oops yeah, made a mistake it's down yeah, to zero yeah, exactly. i mean I, so there's there's this thread i'm sure you've uh, you probably you may not have heard it but we, we've already heard it in the, there's an article today of like the concern that the machines will will run amok uh so yep. to speak and you know i i think that's that's overblown greatly and i think it, it comes out of sort of just a fundamental misunderstanding of how artificial intelligence driven processes are still the art form of human beings and the you know a failure in that a failure of artificial intelligence or a failure to outperform is still a failure of a human being what this is doing ultimately what artificial intelligence is doing is trying to scale the human mind to to plug into that intuition but do so at a speed and scale that we can't do as humans um mm -hmm. that's what it's all about and so mm -hmm. that oversight will always be there at least for i think as long as you and i are living uh, i don't know how old you are but for as long as i am living i don't think that goes <laughs> away and, I, and so this this idea that that the machines are going to take over and run amok, I think it's just, you know, foundationally in a misunderstanding of how these things are put together. Yeah, I guess it depends largely on whether we achieve general AI or not, but um, certainly the level of uh, consciousness, if we want to put it that way, in, in AI right now is is near zero uh, in, in at least most uh, machines. But maybe uh, look into your crystal ball and uh, look ahead five years to what you're delivering and, and where do you think the solution is then? What do you think it's able to do? What kind of returns in excess of average do you think you'll be able to deliver? Yeah, so so let me take the last part first and then go back on the other pieces. I, I, I don't think there is going to be the case that you know, the more time AI has that there's sort of a, a linear multiplicative rise in investment returns relative to the averages. And that's really what we're always talking about relative to the averages. I think that, that as techniques get a little bit more precise and refined, there will probably be a, a rise in that. But I, I don't think it ever becomes a, you know, beating the market by four or 5% each and every year, which would be in, in, traditional investment terms is is you know half a percentile you know type level uh performance mm -hmm. is very very rare in any sustained in any sustained way so i think this improves the, the process refines the process i think it it drives cost out of the process so 
you know, I think there we will probably need less human beings in aggregately in the investment management process as these things get adopted. Just as uh, quantitative techniques are mm -hmm. less costly than you know before AI than traditional fundamental, you know, manage the stock uh, at its most finite level. So, so I think it improves, but I don't. I don't think it's a multi. You know you know, four or 5% outperformance mm -hmm. over time. I think mm -hmm. though, in terms of, you know, the earlier question was, I think it's sort of where, where is it going to be applied? How widely, what's growth look like? I think is where you were going. Uh, I, I think it's going to be applied quite widely. I think the, the only limitations, John, are going to be people's, uh, the education of the marketplace and people's understanding of things. I think there is three or four, really compelling tailwinds that are going to drive wider consideration and use of AI in investment management. I think the reality of we've been in, you know, we've had 13, putting aside the last couple of weeks, which has been pretty dreadful in the markets, we've got a 13 year bull market where it didn't matter where you were invested. It just mattered that you were invested. The concept of risk has gone out the window. We're going to be in a much lower return environment. Uh, almost by every person's perspective over the next 10 years, meaning mid single digits we'll be lucky to get. Just because we've, we've basically borrowed forward over the last 10 years of sort of long-term returns because of the interest rate environment. Mm -hmm. And I think that's going to spur uh, more interest in alpha and in just alpha strategies and alternative alpha strategies in a big way. And I also think, the concept of risk management is going to come back. I mean, I've had this conversation with with many colleagues that I grew up in a world in, in an industry where it wasn't just about the return; it was also about the risk you were taking. But when you mm -hmm. have a year bull market with very little volatility, the concept of risk managed returns is kind of gone out the window. And uh, risk management is hiring somebody from the SEC yeah. <laughs> and having them on your staff, right? <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, exactly. So it's more business risk than investment risk. So I think that's going to come back. And AI, I think, is is uniquely positioned to be much more responsive and provide uh, to to risk dimensions in the marketplace, as well as you know feed that need for sort of alternative alpha strategies. I think too. I think the rise of ESG, which is at its heart, uh, is a data problem. Largely, and AI is very effective in scaling and cleansing data. And I think we are very early days with the, I think ESG is going to fundamentally also change. They're the, they're the two big drivers, I think, over the next 10 years. And ESG is a little ahead in that regard. And for those who may not know, ESG is environment, social, and governance, which is basically about de-risking yourself from nasty businesses that are doing bad things. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that is at its heart, a data challenge for that to accelerate further. But I think it will uh, unequivocally. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the, one of the other ones is the demographics and uh, the aging of the population. You know, we've spent most of my you know, life, the investment management industry has been about compelling people to accumulate for retirement. 10,000 people a day are turning 65 in this country. We are entering the decumulation period where people will now be drawing down their portfolios to sustain the uh, 
you know, the, the living that they want mm -hmm. in retirement. And that is an inherently very complicated problem. And mm -hmm. one we as an industry don't have a lot of familiarity with. And you say, well, why is it any complicated? It's still investing, right? It's just, well, it is, but with a very different dimensionality. It's much more risky in investment risk and the implications of it are much more substantial when you are in retirement, particularly mm -hmm. in retirement. If we have a major investments mistake or a major market calamity when we're accumulating, we have some options. We can double mm -hmm. down on our savings. We can work longer. We have some options to fix things. If you're 75 year old, you know, living off your portfolio for income and a major market calamity happens, you don't have a lot of options. Uh, so mm -hmm. it's a far riskier and there's different dimensions. It's a different emotional dimension, mm -hmm. the focus on income in a world where we have, as you well know, historically incredibly low interest rates and the need to generate income for retirees. Anyway, I could go on and on. I have real passion on this one. But I, I think artificial intelligence is uniquely positioned to deal with these new dimensions of consideration and do so in a very, very responsive way in consideration of taxes, income, investment risk. I mean, it, it's no elixir to a failure to, to save for retirement, to be clear. But I mm -hmm. think deal, I think the criticality of being having a responsive process that can handle these new intricate complications is going to lead to a lot more adoption of these processes. Yeah, I, I think you're probably right. And I think we'll see a bit of an arms race in the fintech space around AI for investment and AI for assets and all those other things. And we'll see, you know, somebody will have some stronger AI in this area or some better AI in that area. And, and we'll see things go back and forth. And those who don't adopt at all will be at a significant deficit of intelligence and data and insight and, and, and probably suffer as a result. While we are approaching some challenging times, and as you mentioned, uh, you said 10,000 people a day are retiring, and that means a drawdown. That means sell pressure. That means a lot of stuff, right? And we are in unknown territory, having had that bull market for forever, and now so much geopolitical stress and strife and just coming out of a pandemic and supply chains still in a state of <laughs> almost disarray. Yeah. Very interesting times. Uh, I want to thank you for this time, Robert. Thank you for the explanation and um, have a wonderful day. Thank you so much for having me. Take care.